Welcome to Scary Savannah and Beyond. This is episode number 46 in the series about all the other things we talk about, right? I guess. I'm I lost even, track. There's so, so what many is my numbers. Ne- what is the next thing I want to say? I don't know. Are you say 46 oh. in Spanish. <laughs> I have been no idea. You would should start researching this. Yeah, I'm gonna like I mean, you spent, get the app called Babbel that teaches you how to speak another language. You've got the living app of Babbel right here. Just all to learn how to say numbers in Spanish. That's all I want to know. I don't want to know. Up. Yeah, I don't want to know how to say anything else. Cuatro, cinco, cinco, seis. That's a song. That's a song. <laughs> I know that. Don't the know how to say forty six. It seems like somebody would help me out at some point. I'll get on that Duolingo and learn, but. Yeah, it keeps reminding me that I need to continue with my lessons from like six years ago. I yeah, haven't opened you that up. Get right on that. So if you want to find us online, you can go to scarysavannahandbeyond.com or you can find us on all social media platforms looking for the username at Scary Savannah. Please check out our Patreon page. We ask you to do that every week because we got so much cool stuff on there. And for as little as $3 a month, you can help support the podcast and get exclusive content. Right now, we're talking about cryptids, right? We are. I think we're in Illinois. We are in Illinois. Well, we're getting Illinois. Yeah, we're, we're not quite to, there. Yeah, we just finished we're in Idaho. We're Colorado to is Illinois. It Idaho? Idaho is what Which we is just not did. really a state. It, it, it doesn't <laughs> exist. And you can find out why on the cryptids episode. But uh, check that out. If you go to our website at the top of the page, there's a button that says Patreon. Click on that, and it has easy-to-follow instructions on how to go there. You hear that jingling? That's our dog, Coffee, who's in here helping produce tonight because she's just such a good girl. So that's why the jingle, jingle, jangles are she going on. She has separation on. anxiety, so she can't she be, out, be out of the room. She has to be here. If you would like to help support the podcast and maybe don't want to sign up onto an ongoing thing, which is totally cool, we also accept PayPal donations. So if you go to our webpage and go to the tab that says Donate, you can go there and leave us any amount as a one-time thing for the podcast as we mentioned on our previous episode, Crystal really wants some headphones like I'm wearing right now. Would love to get her some of those. We need some more equipment. And also, it's sort of expensive for the hosting and stuff that we do for this podcast. It's extremely expensive. So if you enjoy the podcast and you are able to give any money towards the production of it, we would greatly appreciate it. If not, that's cool. We still love you and we still love our listeners. And as always, you can still... Fund her a coffee, too, which is a one-time thing. And she's a little low on coffee right, yeah, right now. Right now, I this think. is Red Bull. Yeah, it is Red Bull. And I, once again, apologize for the dog clicking and clacking all over the room here. So if you'd like to help Crystal uh, fund her caffeine addiction, which the money doesn't just go towards that. It also goes towards things like Red colorful Bull. XLR cables and teal-colored headphone pads and headphones that yeah, will accept Yeah, I notice them. mine are still black. Yeah, and it's very depressing to you, I'm sure, because you don't like things that don't have tons of color in them. I don't. Which is why you're wearing that new shirt you just got that is basically colorless. It is. Wild is your favorite yeah. color, it seems. <laughs> what does that We're mean? We're kind of matching, though. See? What is wild? It's a state as a of color. mind. A state of mind. Which is a color. Okay, sure. My state it's of mind is whatever hat and shirt I see laying closest you to me. You did good. Like you coordinated on. the hat but and the shirt. But they can't see my shorts. With me. Well, that worked out really well then, didn't it? It did. We'd also like you to go and uh, leave us a review. We love to get five-star reviews. And if you do that and send us a message through our contact form, we'll send you free podcast stickers. And these are really good stickers, too. They're vinyl and all that good stuff. And we got a bunch of them. We'd like to send them out to you. Just 
send us that contact info. And we got a new five-star review this week. And we're going to let Crystal read it for you here. Crystal, why don't you read that review? We did. And it is from Muffin Man. And it says, favorite podcast. Love listening weekly to hear your new stories. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Muffin Man. Yeah, that's cool. I just think that's a cool name. Yeah. It's way cooler than mine. Do you know the Muffin Man or is he just... The Muffin Man, you say? (laughs) Isn't he down on Drury Lane? I think so. Okay. That's where he hangs out. Hangs out down Drury Lane. Is that where you're at, Muffin Man? It doesn't matter. Thank you so much for listening and leaving us that review. We appreciate it greatly. So if you go to our website and click on the giveaways tab, you can enter our merchandise giveaway. We give away once a month and you can enter to win a t-shirt or a stunningly amazing coffee mug with variety of options printed on them. Even a Layla and Coffee Talk mug. Which really makes sense in the world of coffee. It does. It really does. So, Crystal, how have you been on this week? Busy. Why so? Well, we have a lot to talk about. First, when this episode airs, we'll be in Vegas. Vegas, baby, Vegas. And we're going to be visiting the scariest motel in America named the Clown Motel while we're out in Nevada. So I'm really excited about that. I'm sort of wondering why you want to go there because it just seems like it would be a terrifying, horrific experience. It'll be great for the podcast. Did you mention what else the hotel offer the motel offers as far as amenities? Yeah, there's a cemetery. Of course. Of course. And it's in an arid desert. Yeah. With a population of five people. Yeah. You're the right? kids are terrified and they're like, make sure you have the death napkin ready. Yeah, the death napkin. If you never will. watch The Middle, that's a TV show where they their will is a napkin. Yeah, just and they like, call it who the gets death what? <laughs> so yeah, they're really scared for us going. But uh, we're going to post some video updates on social media while we're out there. So you make sure you're following us so you don't miss anything. On Twitter and Facebook, probably. We'll do a full episode about the Clown Motel, assuming we survive. And we'll tell you all about our Vegas excursion when we get back. We're going to do just like that Warner Brothers cartoon where Porky Pig took Sylvester out into that ghost town. And he's like, oh, this seems like a really cool place to go and sleep the night. And then he's just snoozing away. And all these little mice come out and try to kill Porky throughout the entire episode. It's just like they are got a big axe and they're dressed up like a ghost and... Except in this scenario, it'll be clowns. Yeah, I'm not scared of clowns, which which is weird. You will be when you see this place. Now, if I see one that they talk about on one of the reviews I read, standing at the foot of the bed, yeah, I'll be scared. I saw. I'm not saying I wouldn't be scared of ghost clowns. I'm saying clowns in and of themselves don't frighten me. I saw one person leave a review and said that they were staying there, and these uh, YouTubers dressed up like clowns and were going around knocking on the door, scaring people. Oh, I certainly hope that happens to us. That'll be great. I'll be like, hey, buddy, Come we got on a podcast. Come on in. Howdy. <laughs> yeah, we got great. a podcast. Would you like to be on it? And then it'd be like, stab, stab, stab. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I picked out the wrong people. These are not YouTubers. These are monsters. Also, the Braves took over first place. For half an hour. For a day. They're still battling it out with the Mets for first place in the NLE, so it's going to be a super fun September watching how it all plays out. They're a game and a half behind as of as this As of recording. this recording, but that could change tonight. It could, for the better either or way, worse. So if they both lose, it could stay the same. It could. But uh, yeah, we're going to find out what happens. I should have worn my Cubs hat tonight. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. It's also college football season now, and the Georgia Bulldogs are rolling, to no one's surprise. But what was surprising this past weekend was the huge upset of Appalachian State beating Texas A&M, who was ranked number six in the nation. That was a big upset. Our daughter, Kylie, who was the guest on our last week's episode, graduated from App State in 2020, 
So we were all excited to watch that unfold. Yeah. And uh, when they found out about it, because they couldn't watch it, because they were actually at the Georgia Bulldogs game watching them obliterate, you know, whatever community college they were playing that weekend. Yeah, they rented an RV and took a trip out to see the Bulldogs in Athens. It was uh, definitely a beatdown. The Appalachian game was a very good game. But we did have an episode previously where we talk about things in North Carolina, and the Brown Mountain Lights were one of those things. And that's right up by Appalachian State, which is in Boone, North Carolina. But you can drive to the Brown Mountain Lights Ridge Mm -hmm. Overlook, which is, you know, maybe 20, 30 minutes away from Boone or Blowing Rock, which is up in that area. If you've never been there and you like mountains, you'd really enjoy this place. We also finally got around to getting our golf cart fixed. If you don't know, Brett and I do a lot of old retired couple things like playing bingo at the American Legion on Friday nights. And riding around the island on a golf cart. When it operates. However, no one told us that you have to keep water in golf cart batteries. Who knew? Apparently everybody but us. Apparently. So we got a new set of batteries and it's up and running. And no one was more thrilled about this than Layla. But we'll talk about that later in Layla and Coffee. Well, Coffee was thrilled about it in a different way. And I've got the scars to prove it. (laughs) So let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. This one is a listener request from one of our favorite listeners, Savannah, Savannah Marcion. We're saying it right now. She told us. Yeah, she left us a voicemail to Thank tell you, us Savannah. how to say her name. Savannah lives in Charleston, South Carolina, the holy city, and she shared one of her favorite places, and that is Magnolia Cemetery. So that's why that roller derby team that our daughter used to play against in Charleston was called Holy City. It was. Because it's the holy city. What they it say. all makes sense now. It does. You know, I love a Victorian cemetery, so I was excited to research this one. But before we talk about Magnolia Cemetery, let's learn a little more about the beautiful city of Charleston. We touched briefly on Charleston in episode 23, where we talked about Lavinia Fisher, one of the first female American serial killers. So if you haven't listened to that one, go check that out. You get to hear a really good Keith Morrison impersonation on that one. You do. We had him on the show. Charleston is a port city located right near the midpoint of South Carolina, Today, it boasts a diverse population of over 130,000 people. Does that make it bigger or smaller than Savannah? I think it's bigger. Yeah, well, the the city of Savannah. Well, there's so many people in Savannah over such a huge area. You know, Charleston encompasses more than just the downtown area, too, like how Savannah has, oh, okay. you know, it's the same kind of thing. Way to go, Charleston. The downtown area is a bustling place full of historic character and charm. Travel along the cobblestone streets and explore unique shops, art galleries, restaurants, fountains, including the world-famous Pineapple Fountain, all surrounded by beautiful architecture, live oaks, palm trees, and waterfront views. Did we see the Pineapple Fountain? I think we did. It's really pretty. We were there for, what, a grand total of like two hours? Yes, it was just a few hours. We had lunch there and walked around a little. It was a neat place. It very much reminded me of Savannah. Yeah, it's very Savannah-esque. Except more water. Yeah, Rainbow Row is a line of beautiful historic homes dating back to the early 1700s, all painted in pastel shades from pink to green to purple. I think that's one of my favorite streets in in Charleston. I think when people think of Charleston, if they know of it, that's the first thing that comes to mind, I'm sure. City Market is a wonderful place to spend an afternoon. Hold on a second. Now it's starting to sound real similar here to Savannah. I know. We have a city market also. They got fountains. They got city markets. Pineapples. Pineapples. Palm trees. People. Exactly. Lots of people. Water, port, everything. Mm. It's like Savannah, part two. Sister cities. Yeah. City Market is a wonderful place to spend an afternoon shopping for a variety of handmade items from local artisans. You can pick up a famous handmade Charleston basket. How did I not know there was a... You know how I am. If we oh. go anywhere and there's... It's the famous burger. 
It's yeah. the famous hat, whatever. I'm buying it. Yeah, we need to get one of these. They've been making these for centuries with local materials like sweet grass and palmetto leaves. Here, is, is that the kind of stuff like they make the flowers? Yeah, I was going to say, know. here they make flowers and sell oh. them. It's But this is like an intricate woven basket. It's really pretty. That's so we'll have to, I don't think we, we walked by the market, but I don't think we went through it. We were in such a rush and it was so crowded and we didn't know where we were. And, and it's about, kind of disorienting. Yes. Charleston, I feel like is bigger. It the downtown way is way bigger. bigger. So you'd have to have more time and, and maybe take the buses around. Didn't more we so ride than on the buses though? I don't think we did. I think we were on a I bus. I think we were on like one, but it. Because I remember seeing like buildings fly by. I'm like, hey, that looked cool. Yeah. We just didn't have time to really investigate and like figure out what we were doing. We just went there because Kirsten was playing a roller derby game, I think. And we just yeah. kind of hung out to kill time. They obliterated them at the time. But I don't even know if that team still exists. They'd all be adults now. Yeah. There are plenty of historic tours and ghost tours available, similar to what we have here in Savannah. We spent a day in Charleston a few years ago, like I said, but it really wasn't enough time. Not even remotely. You really need several days to even scratch the surface of all that Charleston has to offer. You know how much time I need to go to places. Yeah, when you I need went at least five hours and one spot. Washington, D.C., I could spend probably a solid days. two weeks in the yeah, Mall of one, America. Yeah, days in one and museum. And not be halfway through it. No. Because I read everything. Every plaque. Every plaque. Charleston was established in 1670 as Charlestown in honor of King Charles II. Well, old Chucky. I bet if anyone called him that, they cut their head off. Probably. In 1783, the town became incorporated and changed the spelling of its name to Charleston. In 1698, a smallpox outbreak was followed by an earthquake in February of 1699 that caused a fire that destroyed about one-third of the town. While rebuilding the city, a yellow fever outbreak killed 15% of the population. Well, we know about that yellow fever stuff. During the first half of the 1700s, there were between five and eight more outbreaks of yellow fever. So they're trying to one-up us even on the yellow fever outbreaks. Yeah, they've got more of that. On September 5th through 6th in 1713, a hurricane ravaged the city, causing massive destruction and flooding and claiming the lives of over 70 people. That's one thing they are beating us in, and that's having hurricanes, and they can keep that title. Yeah. From its inception, Charleston attracted pirates with frequent raids on the city. The most famous pirate to attack the city was Blackbeard. In May of 1718, he rolls in with four ships and 400 men, and he captured eight ships and threw the city into turmoil for the better part of a week. I like the way you say that. He just rolls in. He's like, he comes in. He's He's got his... Playing like old Dr. Dre or something, you know. He ransomed the city, not for riches, but for medicine and syringes that he needed for his crew. After striking a deal with Governor Robert Johnson for the requested medical supplies, he took his ships and headed north. Probably to Wilmington. Mm, yeah. Do you know why he needed this medicine? Uh, sexually transmitted diseases is going to be my first guess. It is. Apparently, the only way to treat that was with mercury. And so you mm. had to I don't want to hear any more about mercury. it. Yeah, you know. I don't want to hear any more it's about it. Let's thing. move on. Apparently, it was very, like, he needed it real bad. So he, like... Captured the city. Y'all's got any of that good old mercury syringes around here that you might want to be parting ways with. With the first settlers of Charleston coming from Europe, Barbados, and Bermuda, enslaved people from Africa were brought with them. Charleston became the most significant port during the slave trade, with nearly one half of all enslaved people arriving through the port of Charleston. By the mid-1700s, Charleston was the main hub of the slave trade in the southern colonies. I did not know that. Charleston was not suited for growing tobacco, 
So they experimented with other cash crops, namely rice and cotton. I didn't know they grew rice there. I figured cotton, but that's interesting. Slaves imported from the Caribbean were knowledgeable in growing rice and raising indigo used for dyeing. Blue. This led to an economic boom making Charleston the wealthiest city in the 13 colonies. After the invention of Eli Whitney's cotton gin in 1793, the production of cotton processing increased significantly, leading to more wealth, with cotton becoming the city's major export in the 1800s. With the Civil War looming, both the Union and Confederate Army sought control of Charleston. When Abraham Lincoln was elected president, South Carolina was the first state to secede from the Union in December of 1860. The first battle of the Civil War occurred on April 12, 1861, at Fort Sumter in Charleston Harbor. In honor of our wedding anniversary. Yeah, that is when we got married, but not in 1861. In 1861. <laughs> One of the other um, big things that happened right before that was the on Titanic? December. Titanic? No, it was on December 27th. <laughs> 1861 when they, <laughs> at the Titanic. <laughs> after 34 hours of bombardment on the fort, they surrendered it. What were you about to say was the other thing that happened? Um, one of their legal moves of... Pulling out was on December 27th of 1860, and then the war began on April 12th, 1861. Okay, interesting. It's my birthday and our anniversary. Wow, it's linked. You were Um, always meant to live in Charleston, it seems. I guess we're moving this podcast and calling it scarycharlestonandbeyond.com. Scab. (laughs) Scab. Well, we'll put that on a back burner. On December 11th, 1861, Another fire broke out, burning 500 acres of the city. So they got a lot of fires going, a lot of earthquakes, a lot of fevers. They just got all the greatest hits. When General Sherman captured Columbia on his march to the sea, the Confederates evacuated Charleston on February 17, 1865, but not before burning all the public buildings, cotton warehouses, and anything else the Union troops could use for their supplies. Guns ain't going to take none of this stuff yeah, with so you. so they had the opposite reaction that Savannah. Savannah's like, here you go. We Don't surrender. burn it down. Have a beer. Yeah. Let's party. And they're like, burn it to the ground. Yeah. After the war, South Carolina was restored as part of the United States, but the city's prosperity was in ruins. Over time, they rebuilt and slowly commerce improved and community institutions were restored. On August 31st, 1886, a magnitude 7 earthquake struck Charleston causing damage to 2,000 buildings, costing $6 million in damages, which is, in today's money, $157.38. million. You were close. I was close. pretty close. I was only off by about a million. The city struggled economically until the 1920s when the publication of a book called Architecture of Charleston by Albert Simons and Samuel Lapham sparked a tourism boom. I do recall that novel. Yeah, that was a great one. Well, that's not a novel, is it? Eh. <laughs> Over the next 100 years, Charleston continued to draw in people near and far with its storied past and historic beauty. It has persevered through disease, natural disasters, including Hurricane Hugo in 1989 that caused $2.8 billion in damages, war, and human atrocities. And with all that, there is no surprise that spirits from those of long ago remain in Charleston. I survived Hurricane Hugo. Remember when I that did happened? too. I had that T-shirt. We lived uh, four and a half to five hours away from the shore. Mm-hmm. And uh, this hurricane was more of a tropical storm probably by the time it came over us. But nobody wasted any time. As soon as it happened, they made up shirts saying, I survived Hugo. And it's literally like saying, I survived that thunderstorm. It was a little worse than a thunderstorm. But for Charleston, it was a lot worse. Oh, it destroyed Charleston. I do remember that. 
Some of these spirits can be found at Magnolia Cemetery, which is arguably one of the most beautiful places in the whole city. Magnolia Cemetery was established in 1849, and it rivals our own local Bonaventure and Laurel Grove cemeteries in both beauty and grandeur. Well, if that is the case, it must be a pretty high-to-do, high-falutin cemetery. It is. Prior to becoming a cemetery, it was a rice plantation. Before opening the public cemetery, the dead were always buried in graveyards, which are those attached to churches, which we've learned previously. Not cemeteries. Right. But eventually, they were running out of room and needed more space, so they purchased Magnolia Plantation and began interments. People are still being buried there today, so you will find new graves along with the old. It must be pretty big then. It's huge. That they've been burying people that long. Located just a few miles from the city market, Magnolia Cemetery covers over 155 acres and is the final resting place to over 30,000 people. Wow, that means basically half the amount of people that come to Tybee on a <laughs> any given Sunday or Saturday in the summer would be buried there. Right, exactly. Those are numbers check out. Those are numbers check out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Those numbers check out. Ah, well, it seems that we're both tongue-tied. Situated next to the Cooper River... The area is rife with wildlife, from birds to butterflies to squirrels and even alligators. What about them creatures we talk about on a cryptid show? They yeah, got any of them elephant-looking suckers with the elephant—I mean, the elephant trunk and the, the head of a, like a horse. We need to go check that out. Seventeen different legs, all hooves with hooves and, and claws, yeah. and maybe even wings. Live oaks covered in Spanish moss line the walkways along with the azaleas and camellias, creating a spectacular backdrop to the ornate Victorian gravestones, monuments, and statues. One of the live oaks on the property is called the Grandfather Oak and is estimated to be over 500 years old. That is an old tree. It's big. It's like 60 feet tall and like 25 feet in circumference. That's older than America. Mm-hmm. Everyone from mayors and city officials, socialites, soldiers, poets, and even bootleggers can be found buried in Magnolia Cemetery. I told you earlier that our listener, Savannah Marcion, sent me a lot of information since she is quite familiar with the area and it's near and dear to her heart. I'm going to read what she sent and tell you a few stories that I found after that. This is Savannah. So there's a receiving tomb that is still standing on the grounds today. The vault could hold four bodies at once, but during the war, the Civil War, At one time, they had as many as 25 bodies sitting in the vault at once waiting for their coffins and burial plots, and it seemed to be a common occurrence for the bodies to be left in the vault for a year. Then once embalming became a thing, the vault wasn't really needed. Families were charged $25 a month to hold the deceased loved one. One gentleman named William Burroughs Smith was brought to the receiving tomb, and his body was there for 30 months. And I've heard stories from people that say they see a tall man in blue standing near the tomb, and what I find interesting is the last two tours I've done in the cemetery, we've had heat storms and bolts of lightning have either struck the building or right over the building with loud cracking thunder. I don't think the two have anything to do with one another, but I thought it was odd, especially since that would be the only time we would see the lightning. Now, I'd like to say that there is definitely a correlation here because it's unfortunate that uh, we didn't go over this in detail earlier, but I am actually a certified expert in heat lightning and lightning and ball lightning. In my own mind. Oh, yeah. I remember that from We the, did talk about this. From that lightning episode. And you were asking what ball lightning yeah. was and what heat lightning was. Mm-hmm. And I said it's basically heat lightning. But in ball form. But in ball form. I was paying attention. So what I say to this is it's definitely paranormal. I mean, that was like day two of my training class that I invented in my head. 
There are two other grave sites of children that are pretty interesting, sad, and draw a lot of attention, and I've had plenty of paranormal activity. The grave of Rosalie Raymond White is one of the most well-known children's graves in the cemetery. She was born in Charleston in January of 1882 and passed away seven months later in September of 1882 of yellow fever. She was one of three children named Rose, and two of the Roses died in infancy, one of yellow fever and the other one of what we now call SIDS. This particular grave was fashioned after a bassinet and bore a death mask. The rumor has it that if you visit Rose and place baby toys or change on her bassinet, good fortune will follow you for an easy pregnancy. She's a very active spirit. The several times I visited there were a few instances that I heard what sounded like a baby crying, but it was a soft cry and one that sounded just like I'm saying a hello, if that makes any sense. And I've also heard cooing and a soft baby giggle. I've heard stories from the tour guides that they've had pregnant women say that they felt their stomachs being rubbed. And one woman said it felt like a little kid was softly patting her stomach. And another woman felt the presence of a baby around this area. Rose and her entire family are all together in a brass-gated section of the cemetery. I think there are like 10 different headstones. Interestingly enough, I believe Rose and one other child's grave are the only two that have death masks. Then the last grave is of another little girl named Annie. She died at the age of two or three of yellow fever. She does have two other siblings next to her. She's a very kind and friendly spirit. If you do the night tour and you are off to the side or at the back of the group and you are a woman, she will come up to you and hold your hand or you'll feel something hug your leg as if a toddler came up to hug you. I've heard a rumor that she likes dogs, so I decided to test it out one day. Uh-oh. I have a 110-pound St. Bernard Black Lab Weimaraner mix named Bandit. So I've taken him out of the car, and he was all excited and kind of zooming around, smelling all the smells and peeing on every blade of grass that he came in contact with. Sounds like our dogs. <laughs> then I noticed he kind of seemed to slow down and stopped. And at this point, I'm looking over at another grave. So I turned back to see where he was at, and I stopped dead in my tracks, and I see that he had gotten into the family section and was laying in the grass on his back with his belly up and a big old grin on his face. And it seemed like he was getting his belly rubbed. And as soon as I go to grab my phone to take a picture. I don't even need to hear the rest of it. I know exactly what happens. Because it happens every time I try to take a picture of our dogs. He hops up and comes barreling back to me. I really wish I was making this up, but I was just in shock. So I simply said, thank you, Annie. I hope you enjoyed playing with Bandit. And about three months later... I had my sister-in-law with me, and we had Bandit with us, so I had let him out of the car off the leash like I had done three months prior, and sure enough, we went to leave, and I went to find Bandit, and there he was again, belly up, with the same dopey Bandit grin, laying right next to Annie's grave. So I again walked over to Annie's grave and stood outside the iron gate and said, thank you for keeping Bandit company, Annie. He really enjoyed it. And this next part is what gave me the biggest jump scare I had had in a long time. My sister-in-law grabbed my arm and very quietly said something or someone is patting my leg and it feels like a toddler's hand. Dun, 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 dun. I was in so much awe, but very nervous at the same time. And Bandit, as calm as could be, walked over to Val, my sister-in-law, and just gently leaned against her without putting all his weight into her and just started wagging his tail. And I looked down at him and lo and behold, the dopey grin appeared again. So now every time I go to Magnolia, I always like to take Bandit and let him free. And I always, without a doubt, know where to find him. And I always make sure to tell Annie thank you and will occasionally feel a pat on my leg. Oh, Bandit's getting his pets. He's a good old dog. So Annie seems like a friendly ghost. She does. She likes the doggies. I wonder what she'd do if we brought a cat out there. Uh, she probably likes cats, too. Little kids love cats. Mm. I've got a cat we can take out there. 
There's if also, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. There's also a husband and wife buried there that were from England. There isn't a whole lot known about them, but they both died of diphtheria. They passed away in the 1870s. They were estimated to be in their 30s, but their gravesite is quite the sight to see. It's nothing like any of the cemeteries in South Carolina have ever seen. The only other one like it is in Louisiana. At first glance, it looks like a bathtub. I don't know what it's called, but it's very interesting and looks very cool. It's and called a grave tub. Grave tub. I just coined that. And both husband and wife are said to be buried in it together and supposedly are embracing each other. We could get buried like that if you weren't going to have me cremated toss in the ocean. Yeah, and you might even way. skip the cremation part. Just toss <laughs> me in the ocean. It's cheaper that way. I'll be dead. I won't care. <laughs> so that was some great info from Savannah. Thank you, Savannah. And I found some other interesting stories. And the first one is that of the Jones family. You know what? We ought to send her a shirt or something. We should. I'll tell you what, Savannah, because you contributed so much to this show and you've been such a good listener. We're just going to go ahead and bypass the merch giveaway and I'm going to send you a shirt. So I'll contact you about that. Albert Jones was the patriarch of the Jones family and he was from Kentucky. He and his wife, Sarah, who was from New Jersey, moved out to San Francisco, where they became quite wealthy before settling in Charleston. The couple had a son, and later, while Sarah was on a trip to Cuba, she gave birth to a daughter. When she arrived back in Charleston with her newborn daughter, her husband, Elbert, had died suddenly. So she had this elaborate Gothic Revival-style monument erected, complete with angels adorning the top. As you do back in those times. Yeah, it's really nice. When you have the money. She wanted her whole family buried here within its iron gates. There are four sides to the monument. One side has the name of her husband, Elbert. One side says, Our Mother, referring to Sarah. One side says, Our Son. But the fourth side is blank. Since her daughter never got to meet her father, she chose to be buried back in Pennsylvania, leaving the fourth side of the monument forever blank. How very romantically sad. And it's really sad that she went through the trouble to... Build the monument. It sounds like something you would do. I know. It's like, I want you, you all to everything. do this, and you can't even find, fulfill my final wishes. You can't wishes. even show up and die. I know. You can't even be buried where I want you to be buried. My goodness. Gum, Had it all planned, four-sided. I should have made it three. It could have been a triangle. And I'd be like, well, I got four Ziploc bags. I think I've made our, you know, That'd afterlife make it a lot easier. situations cleared up. So these next ones get a little bit crazier. Okay. The next tale is about a man named Professor Charles Barker Nixon, also known as the Slippery Man. He was somewhat of a Houdini. So that's how you're sneaking into this episode. He operated during the late 1800s at the height of spiritualism, which we've talked about before. Yeah. Seances and such. Houdini didn't believe in that mess. Well, he did originally, but then he was like, wanted to prove it was fake. So it was like when it was Gandalf the Grey. And then he felt the Balrog and died and came back as Gandalf the White. Mm-hmm, so it's exactly. basically exactly like that, except not at all. Exactly like that. Okay, cool. So Charles Barker Nixon would wrap himself up in chains and escape, and he billed himself as the Great Necromancer. In addition to escaping chains, he also conducted seances. He was quite the showman, and during these seances, he would ask his guests to remove their socks and shoes. I can hear how he did it in my head. Too. I know, you want to... Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for showing up for our seances here. <laughs> I hope that uh, it won't disturb you to know that ghosts are frightened of shoes and socks. <laughs> so we're going to need you to remove those post-haste. <laughs> you think that's about how it went? Exactly. Okay. He had outfitted his floor with a layer of copper 
and would use electricity to give his guests a mild shock during the seances. Oh, that's why the ghosts are scared of the shoes and socks. He would also use lanterns to project images of demons onto the walls. He's ahead of his time. He was. Multimedia event. Mm-hmm. He arrived in Charleston in 1876 with his wife and young daughter and set up a massive tent just across from the Magnolia Cemetery. The tent was covered in Egyptian hieroglyphics. He would walk around downtown Charleston. This sounds dressed- like an episode of the Andy Griffith show. It'd be like when they came into town, you know, yeah. it's like, we're going to tell you the weather. And then in the back, they they got like a weather radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the weather. He would walk around downtown Charleston dressed as King Tut, drawing much attention, as you can imagine. He wasn't having too much success with the seances, so he decided to go big or go home. He took out an ad in the local paper advertising that he would be buried alive in a coffin and would rise from the dead. It's hard to guess where this is going. This, of course, attracted a lot of attention from all over the country. He sold around 500 tickets to this event, which was apparently a lot back then. So the money is rolling in. Look, dear, I've made 25 cents. (laughs) We might even be able to get as much as 30. On the night of the event, attendees arrived with excitement and anticipation. Besides the audacious tent, they found a freshly dug grave and a new coffin. They are invited to inspect the coffin and make sure it's legit, which apparently it is. So Professor Nixon, dressed as King Tut, saunters out of the tent and climbs into the coffin. But why was he dressed as King Tut? To draw attention. So no People real were good like pretty reason. fascinated with Egyptian culture at that time. So no explanation needed. No, it was just people wanted to see that, that stuff. King Tut. Mm-hmm. Why was he a villain in Batman? I don't know. Oh, wow. Like the weakest, stupidest villain of all time. Exactly. King Tut. Volunteers nail the coffin shut, then screw it shut for good measure. Then they use ropes to lower it six feet into the ground, then cover it with dirt. Everyone is having a rousing good time. It's a Friday night. You're close enough to Savannah to be drinking, right? People have been drinking, and of course, they're about to see a good show. But then the professor's wife and daughter come running out of the tent, screaming for them not to do it, claiming that he would die. But hey, these people paid good money to see a man rise from the grave, so they continue to shovel the dirt. Minutes start ticking by, and soon five minutes turns into ten minutes, then fifteen, then twenty. People are starting to get a little nervous. How long can someone survive underground? Do you know? I don't know. I guess it depends on how big the coffin is and how much air they have how much thrashing they do, (laughs) and whether or not their shenanigans are being con men. The crowd is considering uncovering the coffin when all of a sudden they hear a loud sound like something hitting the wood. They back up and out comes Professor Nixon rising from his grave with a ceremonious bow. The crowd was amazed and rushed over to him to congratulate him. As they look down into the ground, though, they realize they've been tricked. Shenanigans, you say? The great necromancer had dug a shaft next to the grave covered by wood and a thin layer of dirt so they couldn't see it when they were inspecting the grave. Okay. He had designed the coffin so that the bottom could be kicked out and he could pull himself into the shaft, allowing him to stand aground for that extended period of time. So, okay. like, imagine there's a the hole and then beside that there's a shaft of open so dirt. So, has got air. Yeah. So, he, like, kicks out the bottom, climbs in there, and waits. Because yeah. he wants to... I could have stayed here all night. He wants to build the drama. He should have just stayed there, not came out, and then like the next day just walked into town. I'm telling you, that's <laughs> what he should have done. Yeah. Because I don't know how this ends, but I bet it's not as good as that would have been. 
Okay, well, needless to say, the people were furious about this trickery. Shenanigans, you say? They threatened to throw him back in the grave, but being the sweet talker he was, he convinced them to let him live. However, over the next few weeks, there were reports of a man staggering around downtown dressed as King Tut. That could have been anybody. It could have been. He appeared to have lost his mind. He was even arrested under suspicion of public drunkenness, but upon inspection, they found he was not drunk, but just crazy. Rumor was that some of the attendees were so angry over being tricked that they went to a voodoo priest and had put a hex on Professor Nixon. That seems a little bit too much there. Well, I mean, what did he take from a common. 30 cents? That was pretty common back then. A short time later, Professor Nixon contracted yellow fever and died. Was it a voodoo priest or a hoodoo priest? They said voodoo. Do they know the difference? I don't know. Who think, is they? Uh, Bulldog Tours. Oh, okay. Well, they must not know. They're the only tour company that uh, does tours in Magnolia Cemetery, by the way. So if you would like to do the Magnolia Night Tour, go I to would. Bulldogs. I would like to see the Magnolia Night Tour. We might have to check them out. Mm-hmm. So he was buried in a potter's grave in the very coffin that he had built for his act. Must have been a solid coffin. It was. And they said that some people actually gathered around for three days expecting him to come out of the grave. It's all just one long con. So if you're ever out late at night and you see a man staggering around dressed as King Tutankhamun, That's probably say me. hello to Professor Charles Barker Nixon. A.K.A. Brett. <coughs> well, now we know what we need to be for Halloween. Exactly. You can be Lavinia Fisher. Yeah. And I can be King Tut. And everyone would really understand what, we're, what and we are. We would, would not so walk sense. around at all. And people would be like, what are you dressed up as? And I'd be like, what? <laughs> so now we're going to talk about the legend of Heinrich Ringo, also known as the Doctor to the Dead. They got some crazy stuff going on in Charleston, this don't This one's they? pretty dark and a little crazy. Mm. He lived in the mid-1800s. His origins are unknown, with some speculating that he was the child of Lavinia Fisher. They just said yeah, that because yeah, she they had just that, tied that in. notoriety. Yeah, she, this is not true. Heinrich had aspirations of becoming an Anglican priest. One day, a hurricane flooded the streets, causing several coffins to rise up and float through the streets. While walking along with a priest, two coffins floated by, and the waters caused them to open and spill the bodies into the knee-deep water. This all sounds like a very unfortunate set of circumstances to unfold right in front of somebody. Almost unbelievable. Heinrich walked over to... Well, just wait. <laughs> Heinrich walked over to the decomposing corpses and said, quote, If this is the state of the dead, who can doubt their desire to rise again? And I think I should help them. End quote. This was considered blasphemy. The priest said to him, quote, My son, until the world rolls backwards into judgment, the dead will not return. End quote. Heinrich replied, quote, Not if I have anything to do with it. End quote. Oh, snap! So he quickly drops out of seminary school and decides to study medicine in hopes of conquering death. This is like the premise for a creep show episode, is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. To facilitate his research in raising the dead, he began raiding cemeteries and stealing bodies. Sounds like somebody else yeah. that we heard Getting, about in uh, a previous episode. H.H. Holmes vibes yeah. from this guy. So remember that receiving tomb that Savannah told us about? Yes. Yes. There would be bodies in there and he would go take them. Well, I guess I'll just have to borrow these for yeah. my experiments. One night when he was on one of his excursions in the graveyard, he encountered the spirit of a young woman who had died years before. He began a relationship with the spirit. Yeah, this is. And would visit her nightly and became increasingly obsessed with her. Nothing to see here, folks. Yeah. Like really involved with her, if you know. Oh, 
Ooh, like a full like Blackbeard, I need a syringe kind of thing. Yes. She told him that she could only appear in darkness, and when the sun would come up, she had to return to the ground, otherwise the sun would evaporate her spirit forever. He's uh he's basically got, you know, a pretty good little narrative happening here, don't he? Yes, yeah, so I can see where this is going. Of course you can. One night they were lying in the grass and she told him she needed to go as the sun will be rising soon. But Heinrich couldn't let her go. How romantic. As the sunlight slowly began to shine through the darkness, she let out a horrible scream as her spirit vanished forever. How romantic. Distraught over the loss of his love, Heinrich began to dig into alchemy and the dark arts, consulting with voodoo doctors. He studied ancient texts and discovered in one of those the belief that there is a small bone in the lower back that is invisible to the naked eye, but visible with the heart. And if you can find that bone, you can perform magic on it and recreate the body. I mean, every first-year medical student knows about this bone. Yeah, this sounds logical. This is like that dark arts kind of like, you know, the way they, they want to pump you full of medication, but they don't let you take herbal remedies. Right. It's basically the same thing. Exactly the same thing. He was so convinced of this that he wrote a paper on the subject and presented it to his colleagues. They it was were, written in crayon on a napkin. <laughs> they were so outraged that they began throwing books at him, and they chased him out of the building and ostracized him from their community of doctors. Quick, boys, hand me the books. <laughs> Books. They were at a lecture. Oh, quick. Throw the novels. Throw the tomes. Undeterred, he continued his experiments, completely withdrawing from society and spending all his time trying to unlock the secrets of eternal life. He became a recluse who was only seen in public once in a while. And when he was, he was shrouded in a huge coat and hat and boots like he was hiding from the sunlight. He was spotted in his third story window of his home, dancing with a figure that didn't seem to move on its own. At some point, young women around the ages of 14 and 15 began disappearing from the streets. Heinrich would also purchase young slave girls at the public auctions. Eventually, the stench of death began emanating from his home, and neighbors were becoming alarmed. Oh, no. Over time, suspicions grew, and one day, a group of over 100 people gathered in front of his house, covering their faces because of the awful smell and they were determined to find out what was going on. What could possibly be creating that scent? They forced open the door, and Heinrich runs up the stairs. The group is greeted with a grisly sight. There are body parts everywhere. It seems he had been dismembering the bodies of young women and trying to piece them back together to form the perfect woman so that he could put the spirit of his beloved into it. This is definitely an episode of Creep Show, and there's no way this really happened. Needless to say, it didn't no work. No way! Oh, wait, it gets crazier. Just wait for it, wait for it. The crowd raced up the stairs in pursuit of Heinrich Ringo all the way to the third floor. He reached the piazza and climbed up on the balcony. He turned to the crowd and shed his coat and hat, revealing that he had been transformed into a hideous vulture, complete with wings. I'm not kidding. I believe you. <laughs> I, well, at this point, just let me read the rest of the story, but I'm not going to read it off the paper. I'm just going to make it up because it can't possibly be any crazier <laughs> than what's happening already. The crowd reached for him, but before they could get a hold of him, he spread those wings and flew off into, into the night. Into the sun. To this day, sightings of this hideous man are reported in the cemetery as well as on the streets of downtown Charleston. It seems he's still out there in search of young victims in order to fulfill his dream of conquering death. 
That's a pretty good story. It is. Completely. But Charleston sounds implausible. like a real happening place. Yeah. So does. we're only a couple hours from Charleston. So we got to go back. When we, we go, get back from Vegas, we need to take a couple of days. And go down there and see if we can find King Tut and the Vulture. The Vulture. It's like a rogues gallery lives there. You got King Tut from Batman. You got the Vulture from Spider-Man. And I don't know, probably some Klingons from Star Trek. Probably. So there are a ton of other stories about Magnolia Cemetery, but as usual, I went down a rabbit hole and eventually had to stop myself. Yeah, she was really into it. I yeah. had to bring her a Red Bull and a big cup of ice. Yeah, I, I could, I couldn't. I had to stop myself. So we may end up doing a follow-up episode in the future after we visit Charleston again and I get to do some more research. Yeah. So once again, a huge thanks to Savannah Marcion for all her info. Thank you, she Savannah. She also sent us a bunch of pictures, which will be in this episode and try. on social media. And it'll be throughout the episode, hopefully. If it's not, it'll definitely be on our social media because yeah. our social media manager over here will take care of that. <laughs> She's got so much free time on oh, her hands. Yeah. We've gotten some other requests from other listeners. So if there's anything you guys want to hear, reach out on social media or email and we'll try to get something together. And if you have any experiences you want us to read and share, let us know. Yeah. Or, and I haven't mentioned this in a long time. But on our website, in the bottom right-hand side of the screen, there's a little microphone icon. And if you click on that on your phone or your computer, you can record a little voice recording, and that will send directly to us. Yeah, so if there's something, the Yeah, if there's something you would like to say or something you would like us to cover, we don't necessarily have to play it on the air. But you can record something there and send it to us, and um, we'll be happy to put it Speaking on the show. Speaking of people reaching out. If you are the vulture man, give us <laughs> yeah. a call. Okay, so that's going to bring us to the portion of our show where don't screw this up this time. Insert graphic here. Perfect. What, what we're, we're watching. watching. So Crystal thought that because we were doing a story about Charleston, we should watch a movie that maybe had some ties to Charleston. A very novel concept, to say the least. Mm -hmm. And we're both fans of musicals, which we found out when our son attended the Savannah Children's Theater in Thunderbolt, which is basically Savannah, which we have actually talked about in a previous episode. So we decided to watch arguably one of the most famous musicals ever produced, and that would be the 1959 musical romance Porgy and Bess. This movie stars a young Sidney Portier as Porgy, a handicapped beggar that lives in the row, the catfish row, in Charleston, South Carolina. See the connection? There it is. It. This movie also stars Sammy Davis Jr. as Sporty Spice. <laughs> you mean sporting life? Yeah, sure. That's, that's what I meant. <laughs> this movie has one of the most famous songs in movie history, Summertime. I love that song. We both love crooners, like Sinatra, which is it's a female sung song. Mm. And that song is usually showing up on the Sinatra and Dean like Martin Etta James playlist. Or something. Yeah, yeah, you get it on all of those channels, and it's been covered by so many artists. Man, I tell you what, just talking about this is actually getting me pretty excited for Vegas. Sinatra which, music. Yeah, yeah, Sinatra music, Dean Martin, and like you said earlier, when this episode releases, we'll be there, and Daddy's gonna be rolling the dice. Hopefully, not losing all of I'm our podcast win money. All of the money. It's gonna be all of the money. There is no. It's a mindset thing. You speak positivity into your life. You call that that you want to happen. You don't be like, "Well, I guess I'm gonna roll a seven. No, we're never rolling a seven. 
Never roll we will never seven. roll a seven. We will be there for a solid week at one craps table with a 500,000 roll. Take all the money from all right, Vegas. Y'all make sure to tune into the next episode to find out if that's true. I may no longer be with the show. <laughs> so the story goes that Bess is a drug addict who lives with Stevador Crown, the local town bully. And he has such an amazing voice. He sounds like Darth yeah, Vader. These, all these people had great voices. And another person who is only listed as detective, and mm-hmm. I don't have his name in front of me, but his voice sounded very familiar to me when we were watching this movie. And I said, that guy sounds so familiar. So I went to IMDb and looked him up, and it turns out he was Joe Burdett from one of my favorite movies of all time, Rio, Rio Bravo, Bravo, which is on one of my top five favorite movies of all time lists. That is true. Joe Burdett. That movie has so many one-liners. I think his name is Claude Atkins. It's got so many Mm one-liners. It's like, we pick movies, like Tombstone's got a lot, but if you've never seen Rio Bravo, Mm -hmm. and you ain't never seen Stumpy. Funny, it was also released in 1959, if I recall. And Dean Martin was in it. Mm -hmm. Barachon. Ricky Nelson. One of the only Spanish words I know, which means drunk. I think they, it doesn't really, I think it was. Baracho, maybe. Yeah. I hope I didn't just say a curse word. (laughs) I think they just said that it meant that, but it didn't. They call me (laughs) Barachon. So Crown's in town with Bess and Sportin' Spice, or Sportin' Life, Sporty Spice, Sportin' Spice. You're stealing that from me because I was saying that last night when I we were am, watching it. I, I'm definitely stealing it from you. It was so good. She mm. said a lot of things last night that were quite funny. I did say a lot of funny things. It's out things. of character for it her, really. <laughs> it is. I'm usually the one that's providing I was just like in all of this. She's like, mm, this, mm, that, mm, and I was just laughing at all of it. I know. It was I- hilarious. I was on. Even though this is not a funny movie. No. Well, (laughs) it is kind of funny. Not intentionally funny. Not intentionally, but it's 1959. So let me take you back there. Sporting Life is out there, and he's handing out cocaine to everybody. I thought it was Angel Dust. He's handing out Angel Dust to everybody. (laughs) I don't know what Angel Dust is. I just PCP. Okay. That clears it up for me. And so Crown, being the town bully and the big, huge, hulking guy, decides to snort him some of that good old PCP. <laughs> and then he goes to play Street Craps, which, I mean, this movie's already just basically, I might have Street Craps. Yeah. I and like, I wonder how this works. And I did I look gotta it go up. go find some people I to play I was searching this with. <laughs> it as we were watching the movie. And actually, it was introduced into Vegas. And I don't know if it's maybe in that casino from National Lampoons where oh, you really? like guess the number and, oh. you know, uh, war. And the other no, game okay. they had, uh, guess which hand? Yeah, and the yeah. So Crown plays a guy in street craps, and he loses to him. So in his fury over losing, because he's a bully, he beats this guy up and then stabs him and kills him. And then he has to flee town before the cops arrive. So he leaves Bess there. She gives him some money, I think, mm-hmm. hands him something, or maybe it's it was angel money. dust. It was I don't money. know. And he takes off. And then Bess ends up becoming romantically involved with Porgy because of reasons. Yeah. They don't really tell you why. No. It just happens. Yeah. I mean, because she's there. Yeah, she's just there. <laughs> it's just convenient. It's convenient. There's a lot of singing in this one, and that's no surprise. It's actually transcribed over from an opera from what I read. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely yeah, tell the way they're singers. singing this stuff. My favorite part of this entire movie and we, this is one of the things she said that made me laugh, <laughs> is that uh, there's a scene where like a bunch of street vendors, and like, you know, every five minutes, this movie just breaks out in a yeah. song. And it doesn't seem to happen at 
obvious places. Yeah. Like they'll just be walking around and be like, well, I guess a hurricane's coming. <laughs> God's got my salsa full of love. I mean, stuff like that. It just that's not word for word, but it gives you the idea. And my favorite part is there's a scene where street vendors are just coming into the street. Then all of a sudden, it's just like a lady walking. She's like, strawberries, <laughs> strawberries. Get, I've got strawberries, strawberries. And it's like she goes on and on. Mm-hmm. And then a guy comes in trying to sell devil crabs. And by the point this happens, she's like, you know that Call of Duty game you played? There should be a level where you're sitting up on a building as a sniper shooting these street vendors. <laughs> and I was like, I have truly corrupted you. And yeah. I feel bad that I have put this into your mind. No, no. You didn't used to be this no, way. No, I didn't. I totally destroyed your psyche, it seems. Yeah. So anyways, not going to ruin the ending. It is a... Uh, I don't even want to know if I can call it what it is because then it might sort of give away what kind of ending this show has. But it, it ends hopefully, though. Ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think it— But like, hopeful. Yeah. Like 10 hopeful. seconds after the screen, yeah. <laughs> the curtains go down, you know what happens. Yeah. Country Mac. Mm-hmm. So, Crystal, we've watched the movie. We have. And I would like to know, on our scale of randomly and arbitrarily chosen dog treats from 1 to 12— how would you rate this movie? Oh, my goodness. And why? I think I would give it a seven. You really had to sit on this for a while. After we I finished did. watching it, we're like, I'm not sure what yeah, to think I, about this I had this to think one. about it all night because I, I was just, I, I don't know what to think about it. I'm still not sure. I know. It's like, I liked the movie. First of all, let me start with the runtime. Hour and 55 minutes. That, it's already twice as long as she off. wants to spend. Yeah, that takes off two points right there. So if you like musicals, you might like this. It was very operatic, like you said. The music, like normally like the musicals. No, when I say there's no rhyme or reason, I don't mean that like it's just willy-nilly. It's like the songs don't have melodies. Yes. Or, it's, I, it's, it's, it's weird. It's it's like it's not really Other rhyming. Other than summertime, the rest of the songs don't are, sound, anything don't like sound that. like that. No. Yeah, so I wasn't like, and the songs went on forever. Like I thought, oh, it's about to end. Oh, the song's about to end. No, 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 no. They just keep on and on and on and on. And so just being like, I mean, it should have went something like this: Porgy, I love you. I don't want to go anywhere. I'm going to stay right here. And then you say, Yes, baby, you will stay with me. And then fast forward 15 minutes, and that's why I love you. Well, I'm saying it could have ended right there. You got that was the entire. That was the whole movie. That was the entire point. Except um, you did leave off like a next half of a sentence, which tells you the ending. And then you could have told the whole movie. Angel dust. Angel. Well, that, that's actually, <laughs> that's very accurate. If you are a huge fan of musicals, watch you it. You probably already but seen I'm this if you're a huge fan also a very musical. huge fan of older movies. Like I love watching movies from the 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, because I just find it fascinating. I love the dramaticness, if that's the word. I love the middle. Mid-Atlantic yeah, accent. Yeah, the Mid-Atlantic accent of the cops was Which cool. they didn't really have so much they in this episode. Did. I love the Mid-Atlantic accent. I just yeah. want to do it all the time. But I, I love to see old dramatic actors. Yeah. And then I love to go on IMDb and read all about their lives. And how they died. And how they died. Like they that. all died from drug overdoses. That's, that's one of my favorite things. Well, Bess it? did die of an accidental barbiturate overdose. Not a shock. I bet six At out of 42. the... Probably six out of the... If you pick any 10 people off a cast of any movie from then, I bet six of them OD'd on something. Yeah, so I enjoyed that part of it. I enjoyed researching IMDb after the fact. I was doing it while we were watching I know, watching you were reading it. all the trivia. I love I doing that type thing. Stuff. So, yeah. And actually, it's considered a lost movie. Yeah. They don't have the original prints anymore, and certain portions of it have just been lost to time. 
So. I did like the part where they go on the picnic and it's just like they all just decide to go on the shoe Sammy picnic. Sammy Davis Jr. gives yeah. everybody some of that nose candy and they just take off. Yeah, they run off on a boat and they go off into the woods and have a picnic and Sammy Davis it Jr. does his, true. Yeah, does his little spiel song and dance. So that was pretty interesting. But I like Sammy Davis Jr. from the Rat Pack type of thing. So. Vegas. Yeah, so Vegas. I, I enjoyed the movie, but I don't think I'd watch it again. So my rating for this movie is I'm actually going to give it a, you know, I think I'll probably just give it a 7 out of 12, yeah, too. I think seven's a good It's one. not that it's a bad movie. It's just I had pictured it being more like the uh, Bonnie and Clyde kind yeah. of musical. Yeah. And they had a bunch of musical numbers that were catchy. And I know that's not exactly what this was supposed mm-hmm. to be. And we haven't really watched many old musicals, which mm-hmm. is something we want to do. Uh, it was well acted. Uh, there was a lot of singing, as you would expect, and the story was pretty simplistic. I, I feel like it was it was pretty good. It could have been condensed into Quite about forty five minutes. Yeah, and and it's like if every song in the movie was like summertime, I mm-hmm. probably would have oh, loved yeah, the movie. Yeah, that song but was great. The, and it's the first thing that happens yeah. as the movie opens. They're singing "Summertime" on a dock, mm-hmm. and then from that point forward, it's opera. Except for Sammy Davis Jr., who does like some weird jazzy stuff. Yeah. He's got a the second favorite song is the one he's singing on the island. Yeah. I thought that was uh, yeah, I like that one. pretty good too. My seven is gonna stick with that because it's pretty entertaining. If you don't like musicals, you will absolutely loathe this yeah. movie. It's just that kind but of if movie. If you want to be cultured, you need to say you've watched oh, Porgy and Bess. Porgy and Bell. Porgy and Bell. I've not read the novel Porgy that it's based on. <laughs> From the nineteen twenties. That's our take on that show. Go watch it or don't. Oh, the reason we picked it was because it was shot on Folly Beach and was supposed to be resembling uh, Charleston. Close enough. Yeah. Nobody's going to know. Who goes to the South? It was supposed to be set in Charleston, I believe. We're in Hollywood. We don't know what the South looks like. I think the scene where they're out on the picnic is on Folly Beach. It makes sense. The trees and stuff look like Mm -hmm. vegetation out in this area. Don't fact check that, people. I never do. (laughs) I don't think they're that invested. Someone is. (laughs) <laughs> so that's going to bring us to the portion of the show that we like to call Layla, Layla and, and Coffee, Coffee Talk. Talk. So, Crystal, as you can see, I didn't write anything. I can see that. And as we both know, they're your dogs. So tell <laughs> me about them. Yeah, I remember earlier we were talking about the golf cart. So we're going to talk about their golf oh, cart. Oh, let's talk about this humongous scar I got going on on my kneecap. Yeah, so Layla loves the golf cart. She's been riding on it for years. So it's been a little while since we've gotten to go out on it. Yes. And the coffee has actually never been out on it because we haven't had it fixed since we've had her. So you can tell how long that's been. And this it makes a sound, a beeping sound when you put it in reverse so if Layla hears that sound, she loses her mind. She beats the beats door. Beats the door. She has to get out to get on the golf cart. And she knows how to like jump right up in there and she'll sit and everything. She's good. And so we were like, oh, it's going to be so fun to take them out. So It we, was a terrible, horrible tragedy. We put their harnesses on, take them out, get them on there. And coffee loses her mind. So Crystal's driving in the front with Layla and I'm sitting in the back with coffee on a, a the, the seat folds over into like a deck yeah. that you can sit on. And I'm sitting there, and she waits till the golf cart gets up to full speed. And it can move pretty well. Yeah. And so she starts thrashing and everyone. And, she, and she's, like, got her leash tied around the thing because we thought that would help keep her still. Yeah. So she was trying to jump off while it was moving. If she did it, she'd snap her neck and hang herself and kill me at the same time. So I'm well, sitting here like, Crystal, stop the golf cart. to her cart. body, not to her neck. 
So Crystal drove, and she's like, maybe she'll calm down. Well, she didn't calm down. And by the time she parked, I got blood flowing down my leg. Yeah, it's just got a it's, big It uh, might even scar. It's actually there. pretty deep. It's a big old scar. It's about two, three inches long. Yeah. And uh, it's delightful. So we ended up parking on the south end and, and then taking them, them anyway. for a walk around. Their normal route. Which calmed her down a lot. So we were able to go for a little ride after that. Yeah. But we have not attempted to take her back out yet. I'm not going to. Yes, you will. You sit back there with her and see how often you want to go on a ride with coffee. I'll wrap her up in a blanket or like something. A, like a little baby. Like a baby. Make them calm. That's what I'll do. I'll get her a thunder shirt. Thunder shirt. Yeah, so we'll let you know if we get them out on the golf cart again. But right now, we're about to get ready to go to Vegas. Vegas. So that'll have to wait. So if you'd like to find us online, you can go to scarysavannahandbeyond.com or you can go find us on all social media platforms by looking for the username at Scary Savannah. Make sure to check us out on YouTube if you haven't watched us there. All our episodes are there and you can see how cool we look or she looks and I'm just here. But like go to YouTube, shirt. search for Scary Savannah. We should pop right up. Please go check out our Patreon. You can find the instructions on how to do that. At the top of our webpage, it says Patreon. You can support the podcast, but it also gives you access to exclusive episodes about various things. And it's content's coming out regularly, so various make sure to check sundry. that out. Various and sundry. Various and sundry. Both words I like to use. Do. I'm very fond of the word sundry. You are? And haberdashery. I like that word, too. Haberdashery. Mm. Please leave us a review of the five-star variety. And if you want stickers, uh, if you leave us a five-star review, send us a message through our contact form. Tell us you left us a review, and we will mail you out some stickers. Yeah, so Muffin Man, if you want a sticker. Yeah, send me a message through the contact page and let us know your address, and we'll mail some to you. Or any of you others that or anyone previously else. left or, us. Or, yeah, if you've previously left a review and you would like stickers, just send us a message through the contact page and tell us who you are, and we'll send you some stickers. Don't forget to enter our merchandise giveaway for September. The winner will be announced in the first episode of October. And we have that form up right now. Go to our website, look for the tab giveaways, click on that, follow the easy to follow instructions, and it's very easy to enter. And now we're going to do a little section that we like to call Brett Got It Wrong. <laughs> so, Crystal, one of our listeners, Todd M., corrected us about snakes in North Carolina. So, yes. he is apparently a herpetologist. And our, I think that's the word I was looking for. Oh, is that the word? Yeah, last week on our episode with Kylie, we were talking about poisonous snakes in uh, North Carolina. As Todd uh, let us know that there are six venomous snakes in North Carolina. The coral, the cottonmouth, the copperhead, the pygmy rattlesnake, the timber rattlesnake, and the eastern diamondback rattlesnake. So, I think the coral one is like the most poisonous. Yeah, so we were like in much more danger than we knew when we lived there. We used to have copperheads in our backyard well, all the I time. I don't think coral snakes live where we lived. I think they're like more I said copperheads. Oh, I thought you said you were agreeing with me about the coral snake. No, I'm saying we had copperheads in our backyard we all the time. We had so many copperheads in our backyard. I can't believe we were never Crystal bitten. had them on shovels all the time. She acts yeah. like she didn't like it, but she would every time there's a snake, she's like, come look at this snake. Come look at this snake. I've never seen a snake here. Not once. I've never seen a snake that I can I've recall never either. never seen a snake here. This is odd. You're we just now up, realizing we that. We make up for that with large bugs. Yeah, there are a lot of weird bugs out here. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you, Crystal, for working so hard. I'm getting ready to leave and drive five hours to North Carolina as soon as we I get know. done recording. It's going to be so much it's gonna fun. It's going to be such a busy week for yeah. us. So that's going to leave us with just that one last little thing. Join us next time in Savannah. Where the ghosts and the good times live on. But you know who don't? 
King Tut? Well, did he ask you to remove your shoes and socks for any good reason? No. Well, actually, he did. I'm I'm barefoot right now. Oh, no. Good (laughs) thing I didn't install copper plates under the floors. You didn't, did you? (laughs) 